You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. So yeah, Trevor was going to preach this morning, but I'm filling in for him. And uh, just carrying on in the, the book of Hebrews. Um, one of the things that uh, is very evident in the book of Hebrews is the theme of endurance. So it's, it's probably not a topic that's kind of uh, covered a lot in church, but it's a very important topic nevertheless. And it's something that consistently pops up in the book of Hebrews is this, is this call to endure, endure till the end. And uh, it's, a, it's an essential topic. When you look at the Christian walk, it's absolutely essential that we understand uh, what endurance is, how to endure, and to make the decision to endure all the way until our final dying breath that we sung about today and uh, that we sung about this morning. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach uh, the three kind of key uh, sections I'm going to do two of them today and probably one next week. But uh, I want to talk about the need for endurance. Secondly, the tests of endurance. And then thirdly, the steps for endurance. What can we practically do to help us to endure? So this morning I want to look at the need for endurance. And if I have time, I'll look at the tests for endurance as well. Hopefully I can cover these two this morning. Uh, from time to time, I've list, I listened to a, a preacher on YouTube. <laughs> uh, his name is S.M. Lockridge, Samuel Meshach Lockridge. And he was a guy who preached in the 1940s and 50s, uh, African-American preacher, very powerful preacher. I think he was leaning towards being an evangelist. Uh, he was a Baptist preacher. And But, yeah, very charismatic guy and very funny as well. And he said this. He said a sermon should do at least four things. Number one, it should stretch your mind, should inform, and it should instruct. Number two, he said it should tan your hide. <laughs> it should correct us. And number three, it should warm our hearts. It should inspire us. A sermon should warm our hearts. And then number four, he said that a sermon should provoke the will. It should challenge us to do what God has called us to do. And it's really this fourth point that I've really been praying a lot into for this message because I'm hoping and praying and trusting that we will make a decision of our will regarding endurance. And I believe it's possible to make a decision in a moment of time that can actually affect you for the rest of your life. I believe it's possible to make a decision where you, you set yourself on a certain course. It started with one decision, and you walk it out till the end of your days. And that's what I'm hoping with, this, with these sermons on endurance, that we'll make that decision, that our, that our will will be provoked. Obviously, we've all been given free will. God doesn't make the decision for us but he challenges us through his word so that we make that decision and go, that's the path I'm going to walk on. And, uh, and we end up doing that till our last dying breath. So Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would provoke our will. I pray that as we look at the various scriptures 
on the topic of endurance, that you would give us revelation, that you would speak to us, that you would shine a light on your word, help us to understand it, help us to apply it to our lives and help us to make that decision. Not just to say, well, there was great information, but help us to do something about it. Help us to make a decision of our will and to act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so we're going to have a look first of all at the need for endurance. I'll start off with a question. Is there such a thing as an unsuccessful Christian? Never think about that. Maybe you are genuinely born again, you're spirit-filled, you have every desire to fulfill the plans uh, that God has for you, but in some way or other, you feel like you're falling short of the mark. You feel like you're unsuccessful as a Christian. And I believe that there are a number of elements, a number of different characteristics, if you like, that make up a strong, successful Christian character. And uh, one vital ingredient in that is endurance. And it's like baking a cake, which I don't know a lot about, but I've heard <laughs> that you need the right ingredients. I've made cake, or I've made a pavlova with the wrong ingredient, and I can say this with confidence. If you don't put all the right ingredients in, it doesn't come out right in the end. And we need the right ingredients. If you're missing an ingredient, it just doesn't turn out right. It might look kind of the way it should, but it won't taste right. And uh, if you feel this morning like you're missing the ingredient of endurance in your life, my prayer is that you would see the need for endurance See that we'll get tested in this area and maybe next week know how to actually take those steps to cultivate endurance in our lives. So we're going to talk about endurance or perseverance. It's the same thing. First of all, let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. I'll get to Hebrews, a couple of scriptures in Hebrews. But let's just have a look at Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 to 13. Jesus said, this is what it's going to look like at the end of the age. And I want you to notice how much of this stuff is actually happening in the world around us today. Matthew 24 from verse 6. He says, and you will hear of wars and rumors or threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's not a very pleasant picture, is it? But Jesus points out that the one requirement to safely make it through to the very end is endurance. It's a key ingredient. So if endurance is something that we need, 
so critically, how can we cultivate endurance? Romans chapter 5. Let me read that to you, verses 1 to 5. Romans 5, verses 1 to 5, and I'm reading from the, the New Living Translation. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done with us. This is all wonderful. This is all part of our Christian uh, inheritance. Because of faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. All wonderful stuff. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. That's like, oh, okay. We can rejoice in these things. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope. Of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. In other words, endurance is something so important to us as Christians that we're willing to go through trials and suffering in order to obtain it. That's what the scripture is saying. We're joyful about it because. It's giving us something very valuable. Endurance is something incredibly valuable to us as believers. You know, and if you, if you know that you're getting something of huge value, you're willing to suffer. You're willing to go through anything to get it. You're willing to sacrifice. Any, any Olympic athlete knows that in order to compete on that level, you have to go through pain. No, no one gets into the Olympics through skill alone. It takes training and hard work and dedication and suffering <laughs> and getting up early in the morning and going, going to bed early, missing out on a whole lot of stuff that all of the rest of us get to do. You know, we get to go to Maccas and KFC or whatever. Olympic athletes have to lead, eat lettuce and kale and whatever else, you know. They suffer to get that medal. <laughs> and so we rejoice when we face trials and afflictions because it's producing character and endurance in our lives. And the more we endure, the more our character is formed. Character produces hope and attitude of optimism Steady optimism, no matter what we face in the future. We're optimistic. Even when we read Jesus saying there's going to be wars and famines and earthquakes, we're still optimistic about the future because we have hope in Jesus. Our hope isn't in the world. We know where that's going. <laughs> Our hope is in Jesus. You can mold a pot of clay and make it into the right shape, but until it's been in the kiln, in the fire, it's not really that useful. You can put water in it, but it all leaks out because that clay is porous. But when it's tested in the fire, it comes out now, it can hold that water. And it's the same for us as Christians. We get molded, we get shaped, but we've got to go through that fire to, to come out and, and to be fully used by God. Otherwise, we're just going to be we might look good for a while, but our shape is going to bend over time. 
And it's in that fire of, of affliction that we strengthened in the Lord. James chapter 1. Have a look at this. James chapter 1. It's a very well-known passage. Verses 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Wow. I wonder if that's how we react to trials. Do we consider them pure joy? <laughs> or do we, oh God, why me? Why again? God's like, I'm putting something good in you. <laughs> trials and testings produce endurance. And when it's completed, we become mature and complete. And as we go through these trials, it's like we're being baked in the fire. We're strengthened because of it. Preparing for the race. And it's important to understand that as a, as a Christian, this Christian walk that we are walking out with the Lord, it, the Bible likes and likens it to a race that we're running. But the important thing is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And so we've got to pace ourselves because it's not about who can run the fastest now. It's about finishing the race. It's not about who gets there first. It's, it's about just finishing the marathon, getting to that finish line. How quickly you get there is not really important. It's the fact that you get to the end. That's what's important. Now we're going to turn to Hebrews. Three scriptures in Hebrews that I, that I want to look at. Hebrews chapter 6, first of all, verses 10 to 12, says this. Hebrews 6, verse 10 to 12. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him, and how you have shown your love for him by caring for other believers, as you still do. So the writer of Hebrews is saying to this, I know that you've worked hard in the past. God won't forget that, and that's good. But our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. He's saying, well done. You've done a good job in the past, but keep doing it. Don't stop that. Keep going. Yes, it's good. Don't sit on your on yesterday's successes. Keep enduring all the way to the end, and you will inherit all the promises of God. Don't become lazy. <laughs> laziness is a deadly, deadly sin. And the Bible has a lot to say about laziness. Eh? But in order to inherit God's promises, we need faith and we need perseverance. Hebrews 10, another one in Hebrews, verse 35 to 39. Hebrews 10, 35 to 39. I think I shared on this last week a little bit. It says, so don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do 
God's will. You're doing God's will. You've done God's will. But continue to do it. Don't fall off the wagon. Then you will receive all that he has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We're the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So in between the doing of God's will today and tomorrow and the return of Jesus who is coming with his reward, in between that and Jesus is endurance. We've got to, yes, it's wonderful that we're doing God's will today, but let's endure all the way until when? Until Jesus comes back. That's the timeline needed for endurance. It's not about, okay, I'm doing God's will. How much of this do I need to do? Well, keep doing it until Jesus comes back. How long will that be? I don't know. I had this thought the other day. The Bible says that Jesus will come back when is least expected. When is it least expected that Jesus will return? Tomorrow. Because I can believe, oh, no problem. Jesus is coming back in 10 years, 100 years. Yes, tomorrow. No, never. Least expected is tomorrow. (laughs) That was a shock to me. (laughs) Am I living in a way that Jesus could come back? And I'd be like, praise the Lord. I'm excited to see you. Or, whoa, Jesus is coming back. Hang on, I've still got so much I need to do. Wait. (laughs) Let's live like he's coming back tomorrow. But let's endure. Keep serving God until he does so. And from this passage, there's four, four key things that this passage is saying in Hebrews 10. First of all, don't throw away your confidence. Discouragement is something that we face as Christians. And in the day and age that we're living in, It's a very real threat to our walk with God, is being discouraged. We hear God, we take a step of faith, sometimes nothing happens. (laughs) We think, what happened? I mean, look at Abraham. Joe preached an incredible message on Abraham a little while ago, and I won't re-preach that. But think about Abraham and Sarah having Isaac, their son. God promised they would have a son. So, praise God, off they go. They try and have a baby. Nothing happens. They try again and again and again. Maybe one year later, still no baby. Two years, no baby. Three years, no baby. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Nothing. Twenty-five years later, they have Isaac. That's endurance. That's not throwing away your confident trust in God. And maybe for some of us today, it's like we've tried to step out for God and nothing happened. Well, I want to say keep believing, keep stepping out, keep going back to what God has said and take another step of faith. That's endurance. Just all you need is one step. And then, okay, it didn't work. I'll take another step. And tomorrow I'll take another one and another one and another one until I receive that promise. Faith and perseverance. That's what's needed. Second thing is perseverance is needed to obtain the promises of God. 
And it could be quite a time <laughs> of perseverance. Remember, number three, that there's a reward that's ahead. Persevere until Jesus returns. And number four, this scripture is saying there's only two alternatives. Persevering or drawing back. Don't draw back. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Keep persevering. One of the things I'm so grateful uh, about the Bible is that it's honest. It doesn't try and sugarcoat things. <laughs> we read these things and it's like, man, it's pretty harsh. Gee, persevere or fall away. It's like, man, why didn't you just say persevere or second prizes, you know? <laughs> you know? I, uh, I had a good joke and I can't remember the thing now. Oh, man. <laughs> it was something about Jesus was saying, uh, come forth and, uh, and receive eternal life. But John came fifth and he won a toaster. <laughs> anyway, got nothing to do with the sermon. It just pop, these things pop into your head when you're preaching. You have these random thoughts. Hebrews 12, the next scripture in Hebrews, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance. There it is again. The race God has set before us. And I want to say this. The race that God has set before us is we have a lane to run in. It's not about beating the person next to you. Run in your lane. Do what God has called you to do. Don't worry about, oh, that person's doing more than me. That, that person's praying two hours a day. I only pray one hour a day. That person's won three people to the Lord this week. I've led no one to the Lord. That person got to church early and baked all those cakes. I've never baked a cake in my life. Run in your own lane. Don't worry about, that's why one of the, the tenth commandment is don't covet. We do it all the time. We look, oh, well, they've got a lovely house. They've got a new car. They've got a this and a that. And a, next thing, don't covet. <laughs> Run in your own lane. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Yes, by all means, pray for people around you, but don't try and run in their lane. God's got a lane for you. Amen? But the Christian life is a race. And we have this grandstand filled with all the saints that have gone before us and lived their life of faith. And in a sense, they're cheering us on. We read their stories and we're encouraged by them. Let's run with endurance. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us. And uh, some things are not sinful, but they hinder us. Throw them off. Allow the Lord to speak to you and go, that thing in your life, it's hindering you. It's not necessarily a sin. It's just a distraction. Get rid of it and run for the Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's only by keeping our eyes on Jesus that we have any hope at all of finishing. That is another key. I preached on that, I think, a week or two ago. And so we see that the Christian life that lies before us is a marathon that's going to require endurance. There is a need for us to endure. The second thing is the tests for endurance. Now we're doing time-wise, yeah? The tests that we're going to face 
as Christians will be varied, but they generally fall into two categories. And these are the two. Number one is when things are too hard. And number two, when things are too easy. They're both a test. When we go through difficult times, it's a test. But when we have easy times, it's also a test. And most of us will find the first category easier to endure in than the second. We struggle to endure when things are mushy and comfortable and easy and everything is laid on for us. That's when we really struggle to endure. Jesus, Jesus actually taught these categories and taught on endurance in Luke chapter 8 when he taught on the parable of the farmer sowing seed. I won't read it just for time, but he, he basically sowed seed on four different categories of ground. On the path, the birds came and stole the seed. Among the rocks, the seed rooted, grew up quickly and died because it couldn't get a deep enough root. On the, among the thorns, the seed grew up, but the life of the plant was choked out by the thorns and the weeds. And then finally, on the good soil, where it produced a crop of 30, 60, and in some cases, a hundredfold what was sown. That's the parable. And then Jesus gives us this meaning. And he says, this is the, this is the meaning of this parable. The seed is God's word. And so the word of God doesn't change. It's sown to everybody. But there are four categories of people who hear the Word of God. And everybody falls into one of these four categories. There's no fifth category of, you know, the guys that put the seed in their pocket for another day type of thing. All right? Everybody falls into one of these four categories. The seed on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. They're robbed of that seed through lack of understanding. The seed on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message. They receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. Seed among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, so they never grow into maturity. And the seed that fell on the good soil represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest, endurance. Now I want to just quickly look at two of these categories, the rocky soil and the thorns. First of all, the rocky soil. There's a, there's a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 13, verse 21, on the same parable. Jesus says this, But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So these are people who receive God's word with joy, but when times are tough, when it's too hard, they fall away. They don't endure because there's persecution. The seed did grow, but the problem was is the roots couldn't get deep enough. They didn't have a deep enough understanding of God, a deep enough revelation of God, a deep enough love for God. When times got tough, it wasn't valuable, so they chucked it away. 
And I want to say it's really important for us to cultivate a deep, loving relationship with God. The Bible says we love much because we've been forgiven much. Now that doesn't mean you need to be a drug-dealing ex-murderer to love God more than anybody. It means you need a revelation of the forgiveness that God has given you. Even if your only sin ever was stealing a cookie out of your mom's cookie jar. If you have a revelation that that sin separated you from God and that the blood of Jesus, His very life, covers that sin, pays the price for that sin, and you're forgiven, you have a deep revelation of that, you will love God. Take the time to meditate on that and to think about the depth of forgiveness and the sacrifice that Jesus has done for you. And we see this happening all the time in Christianity. People that come and they're all on fire. They're all going for it. And then a couple of years later, where are they? They're gone. No roots. They received the word with joy. But then when persecution and hardship came, they fell away. The next category is the, is the people who are choked by thorns. And this is the, when the problem is life's too easy. You get thorns and weeds when you do nothing, when you don't weed, when you don't tend to the garden. You just leave it. Man, I just want to sit and watch the sunset and all the weeds grow up and it chokes the life out of the seed of God. When things become too easy, we're not worried about kingdom-related things. Our concerns are the worries and riches and pleasures of life. You might have heard the phrase, first world problems. (laughs) These are not people sitting in jail for their faith. These are people like you and I running late for a meeting. Worried about it. (laughs) Having to drink cold coffee. Striving to get a job promotion and not getting it. But it consumes us, worries us. Stressing about paying our mortgage. Glued to the internet, watching share prices rise and fall. Worried. The worries of life. And they strangle the life of God out of us. See, have a look at Luke 17. Luke Luke 17, verse 26 to 30. Jesus says, this is what life's going to be like when he returns. When the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day, and it'll be like it was in Lot's day. You ever look at Genesis, at those two accounts, see what was going on at the time. That's what's going to be like when Jesus returns. In those days, it says, people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat, and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating, drinking, buying, selling, farming, building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. And none of them knew. He was running for his life. No one knew. And then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it'll be business as usual, right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Only Noah and his family made it. And only Lot and his family made it. What was the problem with the rest of the people who didn't make it? 
They were too occupied and focused on temporary things. They were distracted. They were failing the test of things becoming too easy. Let me just list what they were doing. Have a look at this list. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, planting, and building. There's nothing wrong with these things. Amen? They're not sin. None of these things are sin. The problem is their focus and their life were consumed by these things, which are things of time. And they had no regard for the things of eternity. Their whole focus was on eating and drinking and buying and selling, farming, building homes. And they didn't take two seconds to think about life after death. They didn't think about the kingdom of God. They didn't focus on anything eternal. All their focus was on the here and now. Temporary things. And they were distracted and they were destroyed. They didn't endure. Jesus says this in Luke 21, verse 34. He says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Our hearts are dulled. When we start focusing on all this stuff, it dulls our heart. Suddenly, coming into the presence of God is a struggle. It's hard to have a quiet time. I just don't feel like it. I'd rather check the stock price. I'd rather read the news. I'd rather worry about all the things that are going on in the world. It's difficult to have a quiet time. Why? Because my heart has become dull because of my focus on these wrong things. Don't get entangled by the things of time. If we become entangled by the things of this life and we lose sight of eternal things, which are still to come and are much more important. Really, these things are important. Spending eternity, knowing God, being with God, living for all eternity, that's far more important than the here and now. Life is a vapor, it's a breath. hundred years is nothing compared to all eternity. Amen? <laughs> and that's when things become too easy. It's a test of our endurance. We don't get distracted. And then the last group of people, and I'll end with this. Luke 8, verse 15, it says, The seed that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, they cling to it, and they patiently produce a good harvest. Amen. There is no way to produce a good harvest without enduring. It takes patience. I mean, no farmer plants a seed and expects a crop the next day. They don't go around digging around. Where's this thing? I put it in yesterday. Where's the crop? Where's the tree that I planted? Where's the fruit? It takes patience. It takes endurance. It takes care and watering and weeding and nurturing and protecting that seed. And then eventually, that crop will come forth. You can have a wonderful conversion and many incredible experiences with God. Go to wonderful conferences, see miracles taking place. 
But God desires more than that. He desires that we endure to the end. It's very important. I'm sure that you've looked around at people serving God. And you've noticed that some have amazing gifts and talents. But they never made it to the end of their race. We've all seen that happen. But there's other people, maybe don't look like they've got all the talents and all the gifts, but they endure to the end. God values that. It's about finishing the race. It's not about how great you looked at one time or the other. Man, you raised the dead. Praise God. Are you still raising the dead? (laughs) Do you still believe for that right until your dying breath? Endure to the end. Cling to God's word. And in doing so, you will produce a harvest. I I hope that something is stirred within you, that you see the need for endurance, that you see actually we are being tested at the moment. Things in Australia, we we are one of the most prosperous nations on earth. We really are. And I look around, I hardly see a car with rust on it. Where I come from, there's cars that are literally falling to bits on the road because they're so rusted. You don't see that here. <laughs> we are incredibly prosperous. I mean, I could literally quit my job today and know that I'd be okay. Because Centrelink. <laughs> I might even earn more money than what I'm earning now <laughs> for doing nothing. That's where we live. Easy street. <laughs> you know? But at the same time, things are getting difficult. Prices of things are going through the roof, and who knows where it's going to end up. Both options are going to test our endurance. What we need to do is make a decision of our will to say, God, no matter what, I'm making a decision today. I am going to endure. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. I'm going to spend time with you, Lord, as much as I can, and keep my love for you strong. Keep reading the word, and I'm going to make that decision that I'm not changing my mind till my dying day, I'm going to endure to the end. Can you make that decision this morning for the Lord? No one can force you. You know, I can't make the decision for you. But all of us have free will. We can all choose that today. Father, we, we come before you. We come before your throne of grace. We thank you, Lord, that you've already led the way. You've modeled endurance. Jesus, you you followed the Father's will perfectly when times were tough, when you were being hammered, persecuted and beaten. You never gave in. And when times were good, you had thousands of people following you. And then the next day you had no one. They all abandoned you. But you never stopped serving your Father. You never stopped being obedient. You endured right till your dying breath. Help us, Lord, to walk in your footsteps. Help us, Lord, this morning to make a decision that no matter what we face, we're going to endure to the end. Help us to make a decision to choose you above all else. I pray right now you touch our hearts. Just just make a decision. You just speak to the Lord now. Make your own commitment to him just between you and the Lord.
Thank you, Lord, that you're going to walk with us. You're going to shepherd us. You never leave us, never forsake us. You'll walk with us through the valleys, through the mountaintops, good times, bad times, no matter what it is. You never leave our side. We just praise you for that, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful day. Bless everybody that's here and bless those who aren't here as well. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.